You may want to move a little. It'll be easier to see. Maurice did a wonderful job of buying time until we got the, the technical part worked out. Maurice, I wasn't trying to stall, I was just long Well, we are thankful we can be together this afternoon. I'd like for us to turn to Paul's letter to the Church of Colossi. Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 5. Because this is really the burden for our time together this afternoon. As we have as we're living in these current days, we need a wisdom beyond ourselves on how to carry ourselves as a Christian testimony. Believers throughout the generations have faced many different challenges. And this is a challenge that we're facing during our generation. Once before us maybe not have faced this particular one. But throughout the centuries, each generation of believers has faced specific challenges. And as we see Paul's prayer for the an instruction for these dear ones in Colossae,我们看到保罗为哥罗西教会他们特别的祷告。Starting in Colossians chapter four, verse five,哥罗西书第四章第五节，it says, "Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders."他说用智慧与外人交往。Or some translations say, "Walk with wisdom." Making, making the most of the opportunities we have, lest your speech let your speech always be with grace, seasoned as it were with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Paul is writing here, he's concerned about our testimony to those out what he's calling his outsiders. And he encourages us here with a beautiful balance between grace and salt. We're always to be full of grace. But we're also full of salt. That's salt that is preserving the truth. That's why our Lord Jesus, when he came, as we see throughout his life, he was full of grace and truth. And that's the prime example that we have. So as we approach this matter, what we have upon our heart is how can we as believers maintain a Christian testimony toward the LGBT community? Now we'll say that today, uh, at times I might be very explicit. So I'll ask your forgiveness ahead of time if I offend anybody. 
I'm not trying to be explicit to make I'm simply trying to use some explicit words for the sake of communication. As we look at as our time together. Really this is this uh, basically what I say will be on the overheads. Uh, and if anybody would like a copy of this, it's, you're free to have one afterwards. But as we go through this process of considering this matter, we want to have an understanding of how we genuinely can have a true testimony. In order to do that, we want to understand first what the scripture says. And we're going to look at how the scripture has been misinterpreted. And tragically, the, most of the misinterpretations from scriptures have come within Christianity. And then we want to desensationalize or put this sin that we're talking about in a perspective. Is this sin worse than others? And what is God's perspective on this sin? And then we want to look and see about providing some very practical helps of how we can relate to those within the LGBT community. Both unbelieving and believers. Now some might be surprised that I have believers there. But there are many believers that struggle with this. Many believers have compromised with this. And how can we be a help and come along their side? And one thing I want to be very clear today. We're not here. The objective is not to teach us how to debate or argue an issue. It's really to strengthen ourselves. When we see the flood of this coming upon us, we'll have a solid and sure foundation to be able to withstand that. And another matter that we'll consider. The question isn't of this battle over the war, culture war. But how can we, with a compassion, be an un, a compassion and uncompromising witness when the world out there is celebrating what the Bible calls sin? The world celebrates this. They call it gay pride. There's an agenda out there that chooses certain words very specifically. If we look back at the history of this movement, pride was just not uh, a word that came up by chance. But it was a very specific word chosen from this movement to almost be in our face at times. So if we have this against us, how can we be 
that compassionate but uncompromising witness. 当我们面对这样的事情，我们如何能够同时有爱心又没有妥协呢 ？Now, as we go through this time,、uh, at kind of at the end of each section, I will pause a second if people have questions. 呃，在我们呃看这些缓冲片的过程当中，在每一段落我会停下来，大家可以问一些问题。Uh, I'm not saying I'll have the answer. <laughs> I'm sure not standing here as an expert. Every time I look at this, we we gain a little, we glean a little more from what the Lord is trying to say to us. 每一次我们在看这些问题的时候，我们就从主那里能够明白更多。So we start with this matter of what does the Bible say. 我们就开始说圣经是如何讲的。I believe many of us are familiar with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. 我想大家都知道呃索多玛和俄摩拉的事情。Of how those two angels in the form of men, after they had been with Abraham, went to Sodom. 就是如何那两位天使还有人子的形象，他们见到了亚伯拉罕之后，他们去所多玛。They were there to save Lot. 他们到那里去救罗德。And we know how the men within that community responded. 我们知道在那个城里的呃人是如何来回应的。They wanted to take advantage. They wanted to sexually abuse these men. 他们想要啊在性上攻击这两个人。And Lot, we know, Lot's answer wasn't any better. Because he was going to offer his daughters. He just said he was going to offer his daughters. That was just as horrible a solution. That was just as horrible a solution. We see how God intervened. We see how God intervened. And in His great mercy, saved Lot and his family. In His great mercy, saved Lot and his family. And then how the town was destroyed. And then how the town was destroyed. Also in the Old Testament, there's two other scriptures in Leviticus. 在旧约当中，利未记也有两处的圣经。That speak very specifically within the law that this is an abomination. 在律法当中很清楚讲到这是一个神所憎恶的。Those are the three scriptures in the Old Testament that address this issue. 在旧约当中有三个经节讲到这个事情。In the New Testament, there are three scriptures also. 在新约当中也有三处经节。We find the first in Romans chapter one. 第一个是在罗马书第一章。In Romans one, we read starting in verse twenty-six. 呃，罗马书第一章呃二十六节。It says, "For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way as the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of error." 二十六节二十七节。因此，神任凭他们放纵可羞耻的情欲，他们的女人把顺性的用处变为逆性的用处，男人也是如此，弃了女人顺性的用处，欲火攻心，彼此贪恋，男和男行可耻的事情是，就在自己身上受这枉为当得的报应。In First Corinthians six, Paul addresses this also. 在哥林多前书第六章，保罗也在这里讲到。It says, "Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God?" Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. 第九节第十节，你们岂不知不义的人不能承受神的活吗？不要自欺。无论是淫乱的、拜偶像的、奸淫的、做娈童的、亲男色的、偷窃的、贪婪的、醉酒的、辱骂的、勒索的，都不能承受神的国。Now in this、uh, passage, there's two different words that are used to address this matter of homosexuality. Ah,、uh, 在这段经节里有两个词来讲到同性恋的方面的。And it's the words effeminate and homosexual. 
Normally within these relationships there's one person that is more active and one is a little more passive. 在这些性的行为当中，一般一个是更主动的，一个是被动的。This word effeminate that's translated in the New American Standard is more the passive partner. 这个里面讲到这个做孪童这个字，就讲到被动的那个角色。The word homosexual is is referring more to the one that's more active in the relationship. 新男色的在背后就讲到两个当中呃更积极的一个角色。You know, it's it's interesting how as we start considering this. We start seeing many and very varied dimensions of this whole matter. But it's important that we see what the Word of God says. The, the next uh, verse in the New Testament is in First Timothy chapter eight. First Timothy chapter one. I'm sorry. And we see, he said, but we know that the law is good if anyone uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. 第八节到第十节，我们知道律法原是好的，只要人用的合宜，因为律法不是为一人设立的，乃是为不法和不服的、不虔诚的、犯罪的、不圣洁的和恋世俗的、弑父母的和杀人的、行淫的和轻男色的
so how is this matter of even starting with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, how is it misinterpreted? And now many say that this city was destroyed for lack of hospitality and not caring for the needy. And they actually quote Ezekiel in this matter. Because if you look at Ezekiel 1649, Ezekiel is speaking to Jerusalem. And he's comparing Jerusalem with Sodom. And if you look at Ezekiel 16:49, it says, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. So many, many will, the argument is that Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because of that not caring for the poor and needy. And they, they conveniently forget to read the next verse. Which says, Thus they were haughty and pride and committed abominations before me, therefore I removed them when I saw it. Yeah, it was it, in one way it's true. They weren't destroyed simply because of homosexuality. Because what we see is that homosexuality is really a symptom of a deeper sin. We love to deal with symptoms. But there's, some, there's something deeper, and we'll get into this later, that the Lord deals with in our hearts. Others say that within Sodom and Gomorrah, the whole issue was just unconsenting sin. But that's really not, uh, as you look in the scripture, that's not supported. Then as you look over at the scriptures in Leviticus, for the easy thing to say is that's the Old Testament law, now we're under grace. Well, praise God, we're not under the Old Testament law. We are under grace. But as you look at the New Testament, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, grace has a higher standard than the Old Testament law. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, it's dealing with our heart. Who's the one guilty of murder? Who's the one guilty of adultery? When you have those thoughts within your heart, that's a much higher standard than a physical act. So we can't allow, we can't fall into this trap either. Some say that we fail 
many they fail to see the distinction between the Old Testament moral law and some of the ceremonial dietary laws. 有些人讲是大家看不清旧约当中的关于道德的和呃仪表的呃律呃律法。We know in Mark 17, Jesus declared all food clean. 我们知道在马可福音第七章，耶稣讲到所有的食物都是洁净的。And、some misinterpret that and say Jesus declared everything okay. 有人就错误的解释说，耶稣是讲所有的事情都没有问题。But、Jesus wasn't doing away with the moral aspects of the law. 但是耶稣并没有把呃道德方面的律法就推翻。We don't hear ones going around now saying, "Oh, it's okay to murder or do this or that." 我们没有听人讲，在但现在讲说杀人随便杀人就可以的。It's interesting how so often when they were using these arguments of misinterpretation. 很多时候，人用这样的啊辩论，他们就让错错解圣经。Once try to use a phrase or something from the scripture. 有的人用呃呃圣经当中的一些呃一一些话。What's the most popular phrase they use? 他们所最常用的一句话是什么呢 ？God is love. 神是爱。God is love. 神是爱。And therefore, but we have our own interpretation of what love is. 我们有关于我们自己如何理解什么是爱。They forget the scriptures in Hebrews about a father who loves his children disciplines them. 他忘到了在希伯来中书当中圣经讲父亲管教儿女的。That's not one of the most popular scriptures on love. 这并不是关于呃爱的最最呃呃最受欢迎的经节。But then, as we come to the New Testament, we see how these scriptures are misinterpreted. Also, 然后我们翻到新约，我们看到这些经节也如何被错误理解。In Romans one, we read about how the the natural affection there. 罗马书第一章我们讲到了天然的爱。And they focus on the word natural. 这里他们就专注在这个词啊天然。And they say, well, if it's natural to you, if it feels okay to you, if it feels very natural to you, it's okay. 他就讲到说，如果这个对你来说，你感觉很自然的、天然的，那就可以了。However, if you look at the specific Greek word that's used there for natural， 大家仔细看到圣经上这里讲到这个呃自然的这个顺性的这个 ，it's referring to God's created natural order， not man's what's natural to man。这是关于神所创造的。Greek language is a beautiful, full language. 希腊文是一个很完全的美丽的文文。And it, it can use many different words to try to get a picture. What we use the word natural in English. 它用很多的呃很美好的呃字可以描述出那个我们用英文自然的这个意思。And the Greek uses many different words. 呃，希腊呃语用很多的词。Okay, some say that again, Paul was referring here in Romans one to temple prostitution and abusive, unconsenting relationships. 有人讲说保罗在这里是讲到好像庙妓那边的，还有说呃这种侵犯人的性的这样的行为。But as you read the scriptures, there's nothing in the scripture that places any limitations. 呃，但是圣经在这里没有把没有讲到任何的限制。They'll say that there's nothing in the scripture that nothing that Paul writes about that speaks with unconsenting、uh, relationship between two men. 有人讲说这里所有呃保罗所写的也没有讲到说这些好像没有经过同意的男人和男人之间的性的行为。But as we see the word, what the word means in and of itself, we see it's not of the Lord. 呃，他们所用的这个词不是从。Not the word of God. These verses, as we see, they're simply restating what the Old Testament says for clarity. 
Others will say that it's a cultural interpretation. It doesn't apply today. But the fact that the Old Testament and the New Testament agree shows that it wasn't simply a cultural matter. And if we fall into that trap of saying one part of the scripture is not relevant, where do we draw the line? We can't fall into that trap. So many things in the days we're living in are the days of relativism. They come against the scripture. Because the scripture is truth. And we're living in what many describe as a post-truth era. Truth is no longer valid. Everything is relative. And this is one of the challenges we have of believers. To show that the truth of God is still very relevant in this day. Others will say, as they say, that Jesus never specifically addressed homosexuality. He never, and that's in one way that is true. He never specifically used the word related to homosexual. But this is an argument from silence. I don't know if any of you have ever taken a debate class at school. Argument from silence doesn't hold any points. It's not a strong argument. Because we can also see Jesus never spoke of gangs or arson or drugs or things like this. Does it make it okay? But we see the spirit of what Jesus was saying. Whenever he was confronted with this matter, particularly when we come to this marriage, the matter of marriage, Jesus always goes back to the beginning. He goes back to, he doesn't try to pick on, get into an argument with them. He simply reaffirms the original truth of Genesis 1 and 2. And how he says that a marriage is between a man and a woman. And this is reaffirmed in the gospel in Paul's letters also. But how does Jesus address this matter of sexual sin? We see how he He doesn't specifically use the word homosexual. We see in Matthew 15, one of the times when he's addressing sexual sin. In Matthew 15, 19, it says, Out of the heart come evil and various other things, including fornications. And the Greek word there is porneia. 
And you can see that's where we get the word pornography. But the real meaning of this word is far beyond pornography. This is an all-inclusive word referring to any type of sexual sin. Any sexual sin outside of marriage. Heterosexual or homosexual. Say you, you've got a classmate in school. Or maybe you have two classmates. Have, you, and you're, okay, we'll pick on sisters. You girl, you sisters, you have two roommates, and one of them sleeping with a man, and one sleeping with a woman. Which one is worse? They're both sin. It's sin. We have a way of elevating and, and recharacterizing sin. We'll talk a minute a little bit more about that. And oftentimes ones try to justify between consenting sex and unconsenting sex. Any sex outside of marriage is a sin. Whether it's also with adultery and pornography. Pornography is an epidemic in these days. And some say, oh, I'm not really into pornography. I'm just looking at sports illustrated swimsuits. I don't really go to those X-rated sites. What's in your heart? That's pornography. Don't try to kid ourselves. And you parents, we need to be aware of this. The access that our young people have to pornographic sites, it's amazing. And the the filters we put on our computer, many of the young, they're smarter than us and they can get around it. On the front row, they're nodding yes. In the back row, they're going, what? <laughs> you know, we, we, we joke and we hear about things like sexting and all of the things that go on with cell phones and everything. And I want to, for parents in here, how many of you even know what the phrase friends, friends with benefits mean? If your child comes home and says, Oh, he's just a good friend, we have a few benefits, don't worry about it, Mom. Friends with benefits means they're just sleeping with them on a friendly, casual way. Purely physical relationship. Things have changed so much in this day. 
I'm actually restraining myself and just talking on some of the surface matters. And why is this important to us? Because if we're not aware of what God's Word says, we can start to change or modify our, our, ourselves, our beliefs if somebody calls us a bigot. Bigot has become such an inflammatory word in this day. And I really think it is so ironical. When you go to the dictionary and you look at the definition of bigot, it's one who is intolerant toward those holding different opinions. So the bigot's calling you a bigot. <laughs> but we're so, it, it, it's gotten so politicized and that nobody wants to even dare to come near being called a bigot. And you don't even challenge somebody when they say that to you. Yeah, so just that we could be aware of what's going on. Tragically, oftentimes within a family, when somebody comes out as gay, all of a sudden parents and brothers start to have a whole different opinion of what it is to be gay. And this is a challenge, and we'll talk about this on relating with this situation. One of the latest phrases that gets used is they again using scripture is where it says, and Paul says in Christ we're neither male or female, so it doesn't matter who you sleep with. Uh, now I'm not throughout this we're not gonna we're not trying to create a confrontational atmosphere. So we can agree to disagree with ones without compromising the truth. You know, matters of interpretation or this or that, but we can't compromise on foundational truths. Now, I've, I'm getting ready to transition into another section now, but before I leave the section on misinterpretation, I know I went through it kind of quickly. Are there any questions? Also, if anybody has any questions, you can just write them down and Ezra will answer them. Yeah. Uh, different ones accept them on different 
different reasons. Some of the misinterpretations, uh, the God is love. You know, one of the things that we, what this uh, shows us. Is tragically within Christianity, the Word of God is no longer an authoritative source. 很不幸的，在基督徒圈子里，这个关于这个词关于神，并不是带有权柄的一个字。When you are writing a paper or you're having a debate or an argument, you need to be able to cite a very authoritative source。如果你要写文章，你做一个研究，你要呃去找到一个很有权威的引证。And certain things are recognized as authoritative, and certain things are not。有些引证是被认为是。I don't think WikiLeaks is an authoritative source. But tragically within Christianity, when we have this so-called debate, when we say the Word of God says this, people don't recognize that as an authority to base a decision on. 很不幸的在有这样辩论的时候，当我们讲到说这个是神的话语的时候，很不幸的在人的心当中，并不觉得这个是一个有权威的一个印证。Too much of the feelings toward people have permeated our Christian thought also, and I'm even hesitant to. I want to be careful even on using the word Christian. 呃，太多关于这种呃对于人的感受这些这些东西思想了，好像。都充满我们这些人，会影响我们整个改变我们人对人对事情的看法。在这里特别小心，都不想用到基督徒这个字。And this because there's this within Christianity, many who are accepting them openly and allowing them to participate, and even having the weddings there。呃，很多在基督教圈子里，很多人接纳他们，甚至甚至呃举办他们的婚礼。It's just added to the confusion。其实对这个混乱是增变得更加混乱。Stella, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, the Stella's brother is gay. He's had a partner for many years. And we were actually able to maintain a somewhat of a civil relationship with them for many years. With your brother, yeah, and we could, yeah, and yeah, her, her brother, and we were also nice to her, to his partner. But then uh, they found a Methodist church in town that accepted them. And and they said, well, these Christians believe accept us. Why won't you accept us? Like in one practical way, we've always told her brother that he's always welcome in our home. But at that time, we did not want his partner coming with him. And we would have said the same thing, same thing if uh, her brother was sleeping with a woman. So but because of the Christianity, it brought in a confusion. Go ahead.
因为徐道会他们讲说神就是爱那么这个是好像无条件的不管你的性的取向是如何他就讲神都接纳你那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那这样那
The world celebrates ones who come out as gay. When's the last time you saw anything on the news about somebody who was gay coming out as straight? There are many precious ones. Uh, they they asked me beforehand if we could sing a, a chorus to start the time. Y'all need to update your chorus book. Uh, one was You Are My All in All. And the other is We Will Worship the Lamb of Glory. They're both written by a brother named Dennis Jernigan. Dennis Jernigan was a very active practicing homosexual. But then the Lord called it caught him. He was totally transformed. You read those songs and you get a whole different perspective. And what about you are my all in all? He says, when I am down, you pick me up. You see some of the struggles he went through. And you see the reality of the testimony of the mighty work God can do in a life. The enemy in the world tries to lie to us. And say that ones within this LGBT community, they're hopeless. There are many set free. Many have come to know the Lord. Has it, it hasn't been easy? But it's a testimony of the grace of God. That's why uh, I, I think I got on that loop. I was talking about Rosario Butterfield. And she actually was starting to uh, do an expose on the religious right. But to her credit, she was an honest academic professor. She said, how can I write a paper exposing the hypocrisy of this religious right if I've never read the Bible? So as her PhD, she went down to the bookstore and started, she bought a Bible and just started reading it. And then through a series of events, she met a local brother. And because of her English background, she was the one that pointed out this word homosexual in the Bible is never used as a noun. It's always used as a verb or a practice. So we refer to one, it's just in the current culture that we have term, used this term, they are, hom they are a homosexual. 
在我们现在文化当中，我们用这个词来指到他们，是讲到他们这个群体同性恋。Even though this sin has been going on for centuries， 其实这样的罪是历史历代都有。The term now uses a noun has just been coined within the last century。其实把这个词用作名词，只是在过去这个世界当中、世纪当中才用的。Anyway, I'm saying all that to reinforce this point。我讲这些是要为了重申。God calls the act the abomination, not the person. 神讲到这样的行为是可憎恶的，没讲到这个人。And even as you look at the scriptures that we looked at in the New Testament, 如果我们看到新约当中的呃经节 ，Look at the other ones. 我们看到其他的字 ，greed, envy, murder, strife, deceit, gossip. 我们讲到贪婪、争竞，呃呃咸鱼。And you can go on and on, and you see these other sins. 大家可以一直这样一直讲一讲，看到这些罪。That the, the, the homosexual sin is included in this list。同性恋也其实也呃包括在这里面了。And Stella and I were actually talking this week。呃，我和我的姊妹 Stella 就讲这一周在讲这些事情。Of how it's not so much that homosexual is such a bad homosexuality is such a bad sin。其实不是关于同性恋是这样不好的罪。And I'm not sure if we have elevated it above others. 我们不清楚是否我们已把它好像推高超过了其他的罪。But maybe we have lowered and made the other sins not as bad. 其实可能是我们把其他的罪减低了，没有觉得他们是那样的坏。All sins abomination to the Lord. 所有的罪对神都是可憎恶。But we become somehow we. We lower the standard. Oh, that, that's just gossip. They were just lying. They, they, that was just a little lie. That they, they disobeyed their parents. They did this or that, and we, we, we weaken the sin. 但是其实是我们好像只是讲了，他只是说谎话，只是他不听父母的。And actually, 我们把这个罪好像给减低了。One of the things that we've seen as we've looked at this. 其实有一个问题，我们看到这些时候 ，is how we weaken this these sins and how much God hates sin. And we need to have our perspective readjusted. We need to have our perspective Actually,就是理性的，或者是潜意识的，我们就在那里好像把罪给打打他的等级打分一样，说这个好像这有些是厉害，有些不厉害，说这个是一个白色的谎言，这是一个好像黑色的谎言。Now again, I'm not trying to
他讲说你没有效法他们的行为也没有照他们可憎的事情做你以那为小事你借所行的倒比他们更坏。They acted more corruptly because they abandoned the Lord。他们所行的比他们更坏，因为他们放弃了神。They knew the Lord。他们认识主。They turned their back on Him。他们呃呃背向他。And so we see how even in the New Testament it speaks there in Matthew 11。the Lord says, you know, if the miracles I had done in Capernaum, if I had done those in Sodom, you know, they would have repented. It will be more tolerable for Sodom than for you in the day of judgment. The Lord is far more concerned and so... Uh, if you could say grieves for the lack of obedience by his people than the sins of this world that don't even know him. It doesn't make any of those sins any less severe. But we need to see what God's perspective is. How he, he compare, he's desiring that we be obedient. And how when our disobedience, when we turn our back on him, how much greater that grieves his heart than what's going on out in the world. Because before the Lord, what is the core issue? Before the Lord, the primary first core issue is the matter of sin, not sins. Now, I know all of you in here are Bible scholars. And everybody has studied the book of Romans. And we know in the first chapters there you have this word sin in singular form. Referring to that very core sinful Adamic nature. And then, then it gets into the sins part. But so often when we look at people, we can focus first on their sins more than bringing them to the Lord. We focus on trying to fix them up. But this is another critical thing. I'll point out those more things, the, the, the important things I'll point them out here. Our call is to lead them to Christ, not to convert them to heterosexuality. That can sound simple. But at times we can focus more on getting them straight than bringing them to Christ. We bring him to Christ. And then he, through his Holy Spirit, he can start that work of sanctification. some as we share with them. They just say, I was born that way. And they use that as an excuse for their actions. But actually, every one of us was born that way. 
We were all born reprobate sinners. We all have that Adamic DNA when we're first born. It manifests one way in me and one way in different ones. But left to ourselves, we're all just gonna we will go astray. Somebody might be, they might not be homosexual, but maybe they're a heterosexual who sleeps around with everybody. Some might be an alcoholic. Some might be in gambling. Whatever, left to ourselves, to that natural man, that we're just going to be self-destructing. So we were all born this way. Without the grace of God touching our hearts. There's no hope for any of us. But we're thankful how as God does come in. He shows in the, each of these scriptures that we've looked at. He also shows his great love. You know, because many times one will say, is the, the Bible is homophobic. Now the Bible is not homophobic. But tragically, many believers are very homophobic. As you talk with various ones within the LGBT community, and you hear of their testimony and their experience, many of them have the impression of Christianity that we are ones that stand alongside of the gay pride prayed with signs, God hates you, fags are going to hell. That's their introduction to Christianity. They're presented with hate instead of love. It's tragic how we have misrepresented Christ to this community. And many are stunned once they start to meet a true Christian. Because if we look at these scriptures, if you look at 1 Corinthians 6, 11, we had that, that list of sins there. And in 6.11 it says, And such as were some of you. But you were washed. Sanctified and justified. We were just like that. We can, we can forget this matter of how we were. But praise God, he, he meets us right there. Even Paul in his testimony, how he testifies, he was the cheapest of sinners. You know, Paul was a murderer. And we see the persecution that he accomplished. But praise God that he got a hold of him and turned him around. And one of the most beautiful verses we have is in Romans 2. The kindness of God leads to repentance. Over and over we hear testimonies of ones, and we're focusing on this community today. 
They testify how there was a friend or a co-worker that knew they were gay, but they were still kind to them. They didn't ostracize them. They didn't try to mock them. But they were there as a friend. It was that kindness of God that leads to repentance. And for, you know, sometimes, as I mentioned, we can look at this community and think, oh, it's hopeless. You know, but we have to remember, too, that all of our past are unchangeable. But not unredeemable. If we, we sometimes we forget where we were. Then we see when the grace of God got us. He turned us around. Praise God for that. Let me do uh, one more thing and I'll take a, we'll take a break here. We, um, words have power. And we need to be careful of the words we use. Because even when we use this word marriage, the, the paradigm for marriage is God's standard of a man and a woman. So I would like to encourage us. And I know sometimes in a conversation it just gets awkward and we use it. But when possible, let's not use the word marriage except for the marriage based on God's design. Because when we use the word gay or same-sex marriage, we're sending the approval that we say this is a marriage. And in our understanding in God's eyes, it's not a marriage. It doesn't really matter what the courts define. What legislation might be passed. Our standard is God's standard. And as his eye, in his eyes, that is not a marriage. So we just I just simply point that out that let's be aware of how the words we use uh, can send a message unconsciously. I was talking to some brethren up in Toronto. And in Canada now, it's discriminatory to even use the word gay marriage or same-sex marriage. Because you're identifying them as a separate group. They're just all marriage. Legally, that hasn't hit this country. Uh, well, you could see how it would come real easily. it's a marriage, why draw distinctions? So we just we need to be aware of the words we use send a message. And also the words we use, like we're Christians. 
我们还要注意的话，我们讲我们是基督徒。They're not a gay Christian。呃，不是一个呃同性恋基督徒。They're not an Asian Christian。其实你不是一个同性恋，不是一个呃亚洲的基督徒。We're Christians。我们是基督徒。We have Christians who are from Asia。我们是基督徒，我们是从呃呃亚洲来的。Maybe we have some Christians who have same-sex attraction。but our identity is in Christ not based on our gender or our sexual attraction and we even have to be careful on how we use certain words related to this community because even within this LGBT community I guess I should have asked. Does everybody know what LGBT means? You have lesbian, gay, transgender, oh, bisexual, transgender. And you also see, at times they add a Q. Q can mean either queer, Q can mean queer. Queer? Oh, okay. Okay, you English ones, you got it. <laughs> or it can mean questioning. Okay, or it can be that, and sometimes now if it's Q is queer, then they add an I. LGBTQI. That means inquiring. And now you can also, they're also adding an A at the end for asexual. That means they don't identify with either. So, and all I'm saying, within the community, there's not a standard definition of, of, of what certain words mean. So we need to be careful how we use those words. Some, as you can see, some are using those words gay and homosexual for both those that are very active and those that simply have same-sex attraction. Some use it just to, for those that are very active in practicing it. So many use this word called for the, the non-practicing ones. They're simply referred to as those who have a same-sex attraction. They're living in chastity while still having these unwanted homosexual desires. And this is we see that many believers are caught in this trap. They have these feelings within. They're genuinely saved. And God is doing a process within them. But they still find themselves having these attractions. And these are the ones how we need to be coming alongside and helping them through the battles of life. Okay. Uh, I was getting ready to move to another section.
Questions on this matter of what I've called of putting the sin in perspective. Everybody stand up now. You've been sitting for a while. I learned this from Brother Christian in Brazil. He said you need to stand up some. So. Of course, he makes you sit for two hours before you get to stand up. Right. Stand up and stretch. Can't leave this room. Okay. I'm fine. Thank you. Okay, let's sit back down. Now that we've kind of we've been look we've been laying this foundation. We have the question of how do we relate to our LGBT friends? And we all we have to find our perfect example in our Lord Jesus. Because we see how he came, he was so full of grace and truth. And as we look at his life, we can see how we can be accepting of the person without approving their actions. We can be loving of that person without compromising. We can be compassionate toward them without commending them. And then a phrase that gets used uh, too frequently, too lightly, we can love the sinner and hate the sin. But we've got two things that we need to be keeping in mind. The issue in dealing with unbelievers is salvation. That personal life changing encounter with the Lord. And then praise God once they get saved. The issue with the, with them and all believers is sanctification. That process of being conformed to the His image. So what we start to see is and when we're dealing with unbelievers, it doesn't matter if they're part of the LGBT community or not. We're dealing with them as unbelievers. Somebody says, how do I preach the gospel to a, a, somebody in this community? How do you preach the gospel to any unbeliever? There's not a special gospel for them and another for this person. They're unbelievers. And they're desperate need of the Lord. So we start to see we don't we we have a tendency of wanting to have like a, a special way of treating them. 
But as we go along, we find out that it's just that way with any unbeliever. Maybe somebody at school or at work and they're an unbeliever. How do you try to, to share the gospel with them? You reach out, you befriend them. You maybe don't approve all their actions. But if they're going through something within their family, you're compassionate for them. If they lose a loved one, you tell them you'll pray for them. This isn't a special group here. It might be a unique group. But the same way, whether you're talking about alcoholics or liars or whatever, you know, we're all unbelievers in need of the same Christ. We have one gospel for all unbelievers. And this is how we approach it. And so as we are relating to unbelievers, we consider how Christ related to them. As we go back and we walk through the Gospels, you don't see Christ all of a sudden have a special mission. Okay, today I'm going to go out and reach the LGBT community. Today I'm going to go out and reach the lepers. No, he actually, as he just walked through life, he encountered different ones. And one time he encountered a leper. And what did he do that astonished everybody? He touched that leper. That was not only against every religious thing going along, it was against all social policy, everything. He broke every rule at that moment. And we know within the scriptures, lepers speak of sin. He went and he touched that person. And that person was set free. The same with the woman caught in adultery. You know, he received her. He didn't condemn her. But what did he say to her? He said, go and sin no more. And this that that's another story that gets misinterpreted at times. Many within this we're focusing upon this LGBT community. You know, many know that little phrase of when the about the woman in adultery and the Lord said, Oh, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus didn't throw a stone at her. Why are you doing that? They forget the second part of what Christ said. Go and sin no more. He told her, what you're doing is a sin. Go and do it no more. That's grace and truth. No condemnation, but showing them the way of life. That precious, that sinner in Luke 7 who came with that alabaster jar, 
It shocked all those religious people. Stella and I were just reading today. When he was talking about the Lord. And he was encouraging him in Luke 6. And he was encouraging us to be kind and merciful to the ungrateful and evil. You know, of how, yeah, to those, the, the, the ungrateful ones who he had done so much for, the ones that were against him. So be kind and merciful to the, the ungrateful and the evil. Yeah. And we also see within Jesus' life. He accepted ones where they were, but he didn't approve of their actions. He accept he didn't go out clubbing with them. He didn't go participating in various activities. But he when they came, he accepted them as they were. Not participating in his actions. And this is one that gets this is one that we will all have to practically encounter. Is what do we do when we're invited to a friend who is gay? When that's getting married, if we get a wedding invitation, that is a difficult situation. And I'm not going to be legalistic about it. Because it's a matter, we've got to know within our own conscience what to do. I know within myself, we can't go. Because that sends an approval to that wedding. We had a situation a few years ago. My father uh, divorced and remarried. And I thought I was doing good by going to his wedding. But the message I sent was that I approved of his second marriage. And I did more damage with that testimony than by going and keeping by trying to reach out to him. You know, I'm not saying it's an easy decision. If when we have to tell somebody that maybe we're their friend that we're not coming to their wedding, that's not easy to do. We can, we can talk with if they're really our friend. We can we can have a, we can talk with them. And we can maybe show some other way of letting them know that we still want to be their friend. But going to that wedding sends a public testimony of approval. And that's something we all face. 
you know, and so we just need to be aware of these situations we find ourselves in. As we said, you know, the Lord as He walked through life, He encountered different ones. And also we have that beautiful story of the Good Samaritan. How that one, he was traveling along and he was beaten and robbed and left on the road. And the very priests and Levite who were so religious and should be helping ones. They didn't want to get bothered. They didn't want to get their hands dirty. They walked around to the other side. But then there was that Samaritan who came and he washed his wounds and he bandaged him. And he cared for him. He was willing in one sense to get involved and even get dirty to help this one. When we're leading people to the Lord, it doesn't matter if they're an unbeliever, there's it can get dirty at times. And it's an effort to have that relationship. It's a lot easier just to pass by at times and just leave them to somebody else. But pray that the Lord would open our eyes. That as we're going through life, we could see those opportunities that He puts right in front of us. And we would have a willingness to reach out to them. And not pass by. You know, this is, a, you know, parents, your children. As we're in, as they're in the schools these days, they want you want them to be protected. But also, they're there to be a testimony in the midst of darkness. Don't put fear in your child. Strengthen them in the love of Christ. The compassion of Christ. That is, they have a classmate who's maybe in this category. They not be so religious that they be like one of these priests or Levites who walks around and avoids. Maybe, that you, maybe it's a God-appointed time. We all want to protect our children. But as we find our, our children in these situations, maybe they're there for such a time as this. And we want to equip them for that. That they can be that light in the midst of darkness. So how do we relate to unbelievers? You know, we, we talk about relating to people in the LGBT community, but it's really with any unbeliever, as we said. With any unbeliever, you see them as a person, not a project. You see one who, if, you, if they don't come to know the Lord, they're going to hell. Not as a project so we can get a number, another uh, number in our uh, 
ones that we've gotten saved. Ask them about their life. It's interesting as you read many statistics within this community. Many entered into the LGBT community not initially for sexual satisfaction, but simply to be accepted. They were a little bit different than the normal, so-called normal person. And they found acceptance within this group. And to me, this is one of the failures of the church in the days we're living in. We're to be the house of God. And it's tragic how they can't find acceptance among us. That the love of Christ would be so strong within our midst. That with all their problems and all the baggage that they have in life, they wouldn't feel comfortable coming into the presence of the Lord. Praise God, yeah, Jesus was that friend of sinners. And He was there to set them free from that. And so, so be a friend to them. Again, we're not participating in what they do. But as a friend, you can acknowledge the positive things in their life. If a friend of yours at school gets a good grade on a test, tell them, hey, great grade on that. Maybe you have a neighbor who is gay. You tell them, oh, you keep your yard so nice. Everything looks pretty. Even at work, if somebody does something, you say, oh, you, you really did that, that job, that task, you did it good. It's establishing relationships. Because the testimony of most who came out of the LGBT community the vast majority testify that it was based on a relationship with one believer. Somebody came into their life. Somebody was willing to accept them as they were. Not, not, not accepting their sin. But having this friendship and a relationship. Who when they had troubles, they walked with them through the problems. Who when the world would turn against them in difficult times, these ones were there. This, this one brother, he writes in his testimony how 15 people were laid off from work one day. One person called him to see how he was doing. That was, that was the believer that he had known for many years. And he, he reached out. 
Many that had also known him, they didn't even care about him. So it's just simply showing the love of Christ to one. And we asked once they asked about how do we share the gospel? How do we share the gospel with anybody? We share the good news in our own life, the personal testimony of who Christ is to us. Not in an academic, theological way or even a condescending way, but just sharing who Christ is to us and sharing our testimony. And we remember in this, we're not in it to win a debate. But we're keeping the door open for the gospel of Christ. And this, with most unbelievers in the days we're living in, this will take time and commitment. It seemed like there was a season where we could have a huge gospel meeting. And we could preach the gospel and hundreds would get saved. Now in the days we're living in, it seems like the gospel, the way is more one-on-one through relationships. It's not that we never have gospel meetings. But we see how those one-on-one relationships are Many come to the Lord that way. And that is why we keep our conversations on a very personal one-on-one level. Because often as we start sharing with them, they'll throw up in our face everything about what other Christians do. We're not called to defend or justify what others do. And we also, we can, if we know of other Christians that have made mistakes and misrepresented, we can say that that was not the right way. You know, they might have presented a Christ like this, an angry God who hates you, but let me tell you about a God who loves you. That wasn't the, you know, just acknowledge that not all believers handle it in a right way. Be transparent. So that they can, they can see some reality in you. Now, how do we handle it when somebody very close to us or a family member comes out as gay? Now, this is one of the greatest challenges of life. And we need to be very gracious. Because if they have kept this hidden from you, even though you might have had suspicions, you need to realize that they are taking a big risk of even sharing this with you. Because they realize that as they share this with you, it could end the relationship. So how we respond is very critical. If somehow by the grace of God, we don't look disappointed or shocked, 
And it's only by God's grace. And don't don't get mad or upset. Because there's certain words we say that you can never take it back. Don't sometimes when ones have come out. Families have responded in such a way. Do you know how you're disgracing the family? Do you know what you're doing to the name of our grandfather? You're causing all of us to lose face. And you're taking everything, you're looking at it from your selfish perspective. Of what it's doing to you. We somehow, by God's grace, just listen to what's being said. And we can tell ones that we might not understand everything they're saying. But just give us some time to process it. And if this is not the time to throw out Bible verses. Now, that maybe sounds strange. <laughs> You're always supposed to preach the Word. But it's the Word in season. Because they're coming to you with a defensive, defensive mechanism built up, and they're ready for a fight. They're expecting us to react in a certain way because so many have reacted that way. And if somehow by the grace of God we can show that grace and that we still care for them, it keeps that door open. And don't start comparing it to other sins. <laughs> this one brother, he testified how when he shared, his mother said, well, you know, that's okay. It's just like, you know, adulterers and murderers and all these other... She, she, kind of, she just called your... He realized you just called your son a murderer. <laughs> we don't need to try to get counsel to fix their problems. And also, brothers and sisters, just like with any relationship, if we reacted or said something strong, repent and ask forgiveness. That's showing our humanity and our humility in the Lord. But just affirm your love and the relationship you have with them. Well, how do we respond when an unbeliever asks us what we believe? And this is tragic how so many have not responded correctly. Some misunderstand love and grace and just they, they accept and approve of the sin. And others are so absolute with the truth that the grace and love has lost its place. But in a, in a loving, gracious way, we try to share with them that we value the relationship we have with them 
but we don't agree with their actions. 但是在爱和恩典当中，我们应该告诉他们说，我们呃尊重他们呃呃这个人，但是我们不赞成他的罪。And this will either do that you're going to be accepted or rejected. 那你就会面临两个情形，呃，一个是你会被他们接受，或者你被他们拒绝。And most, you know, if you share in an honest, genuine way, if there's a true friend, they're going to they're going to respect you for it. 如果你是跟真的一个朋友这样真诚的呃交往，他应该会接。And when it's accepted, that leaves that door open. 如果他接受你的话，那个福音的门还开着。You know, if the door is closed. That's okay. 如果门关掉，他把门关掉也没有。But it doesn't close the door on our love or prayers for them. 但是并没有结束我们继续对他们的爱和祷告。Maybe it's a coworker. 可能是一个同工同同事。They come out and then they they feel like they close the door on you. 他们好像就这样表明出来，他们想要向你关门。We can give them some time. 我们可以给他们一些时间。We go back by maybe their cubicle or whatever or a week or two and just say, "How are you doing?" 我们可以过一两周之后到他们办公的地方说你怎么样。They might bite your head off. 他可能会要把你的头都咬下来。But you just keep trying, and you what we're trying to show is we still care for them. 我们就您可以继续的试，我们就想告诉他们，我们。We have to remain faithful to the truth. 我们要对真理是要呃忠心。And then we come to the matter of relating to believers. 然后我们讲到再讲到如何我们面对信徒。Now, as we come to relating with believers, we have to remember that sanctification is a process. 我们与信徒人交往的时候，我们记得成圣是一个过程。You know, positionally, objective truth: we're new creatures in Christ. 啊，在位置上，在真理上，我们在耶稣基督里是一个。But experientially, we're being transformed day by day. 在经历当中，我们是一天一天的更新。If we look at our own lives, 如果看见我们自己的生命 ，none of us are changed instantaneously. 我没有人是马上改变的。We maybe there's some things as soon as we're a believer that matter just goes away. 可能有些事情到我们一信的时候，那些事情就出过去了。But other things we have to work through over a period of time. 有些事情是我们要一段时间才能走过。We feel like we take two steps forward. We fall. We take a step back. We learn of God's love and we learn of repentance and we get up and we go again. We learn that our failures don't disqualify us from going on in the Lord. We know that our failures don't disqualify us 我们就发现我们在它里面成长，在我们里面的征战好像并没有像以前那么大的压力了。But particular for ones that come out of this community， 但是对于从这个群体当中特别出来的 ，If you have a friend that you've brought to the Lord， 如果你有一个朋友你带到主的面前 ，You need to make them aware， 你要让他们知道 ，That tragically they're not going to be accepted by all believers。很不幸的，他们不会被所有的信徒都接受。And I'm sorry I have to say that。Some believers are just not going to throw their arms open and accept them. 不是所有的基督徒都会把他们的手臂打开来接受他们。Some will praise God. 有些人会接纳他们，感谢。But they need to be aware of this. 但他们要知道。And there's a loneliness that they go through. 他们心中有一个他们经历的孤单。Because their whole life has been turned upside down. 因为他们整个生命都翻转过来。Which is really true with any unbeliever getting saved. 其实对每一个不信主的人信主都是。But these ones are coming out of a community, a family that was very close and supportive. 但他们好像从一个彼此来呃支持的一个呃群体当中出来。Who accepted them just as they were. And now they're being this this call, and they know within their hearts and lives this call 
of, of being conformed to the image of Christ and putting the sin behind them. And, and publicly, there's not a lot of role models out there. But praise God, there are a lot out there that can, they can find some great encouragement in. And just like with any new believer, we need to make them aware of the struggles that they will face. Every believer, every new believer has to go through this process of learning how to overcome the temptations that we faced in life before. They have to understand that this is a process and learning and growing in the Lord. Because if not, they'll become discouraged and give up and, and all of a sudden they think they're not even saved. I imagine within this room, when some of you came to know the Lord, there's something happened in your first months or year of while you were a believer, and amazed, gee, I wonder if I'm even saved. If I was saved, why would I even do that? Share the reality of the struggles in your life as, as you work through something particular. I know within my life, one of the things the Lord has dealt with severely was my gambling. I was a great gambler. Through the na- I, was a na- I was a sailor, so that's, that's bad enough right there. <laughs> and through school and all, I, I had a wonderful poker face. And I, I knew how to control. I could smile or wink or, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to read you. And also, since now I'm an account, I learned I could count really well. There's counting cards for, I'm, I'll tell you too much here in a minute. <laughs> but even to this day, if we're channel flipping, trying to get over to HGTV, HGTV, <laughs> If, it's, if that channel stops on the World Series of Poker, I can sense something within me that starts to, I can look at those hands and boom, I know what's, and I've got to immediately change that channel. Hey, there's something even, I've been a believer many years, and there's something that wants to linger there and figure it out. And even though I'm not gambling, but it's within my heart, it's a heart issue. Sometimes a new believer, someone gets saved and they think we're all saints and we never have any struggles. We need to be real with them and walk with them through this process. It's a commitment, it's discipleship. And so we, as we see these ones, we're encouraging them. Because it says, what is a believer with same-sex attraction to do? That's the same thing as with any, unbel- as a new, any new believer. 
这就是跟所有的信徒一样的。That holy life of seeking the Lord daily for that intimate personal relationship, getting rooted and grounded in the Word of God and that prayer life and fellowship.其实这样一同一直的不断的寻求主，然后能够胜过这些试探，跟主有一个个人亲密深的关系，然后能够在神的话语当中有根基。These new believers, any new believer, needs someone to walk with them in the phase of life. Just you look around at the babes that you have here. We all needed somebody to walk with us in those first part of our life. Just like in the natural way, in the spiritual way, we need one. We need one another. Do we have time for them? Are we willing to be inconvenienced for them? When we get that phone call at midnight, I'm really struggling with this. Are we willing to get up and pray with them? This is this is the commitment that we, we need to make to new believers. And so, you know, this is it's it's really the call that we have for all for all new believers. And as we relate to them, we need to realize for ourselves. As we've already been touching on. Some of these out of this community immediately they have found that their old homosexual temptations are gone. And we we hear we in different testimonies of individuals we hear how ones that had a bad temper all of a sudden it was gone or maybe alcohol was there was no temptation there. So there are some that, that will experience this. But some will find that it's it's over a period of time that those homosexual desires are decreasing. They will see that the more they, they get closer to the Lord, that desire is decreasing. Some will find that those, those temptations don't decrease and they live a celibate life. But that's the same for any single person. It doesn't matter if you're heterosexual or homosexual. You as a Christian were to live a celibate life. It's not like God has a special rule for them. If we're single, we live celibate. But some, even when they, they become heterosexual and follow the Lord, will still battle old temptations. I mentioned this sister Rosario Butterfield. She she shares in her testimony how sometimes when she's having a difficulty in life or something's going wrong, 
That old, that old enemy, the accuser of the brethren, can come in and say, "Oh, see, you should go back here. You were much happier." Praise God! As we grow in the Lord, we learn how to resist those temptations and not entertain them. 感谢主，在主里成长，我们知道如何来呃逃离这样的试探，而不是。Because the temptation is not sin. It's how we respond to that temptation that creates sin. So as we're relating to believers, we want to be those that are really found ones that we can we share our lives and walk with them together. And then just some final thoughts. Uh, We have to remember, you know, who or what defines who we are. Our past actions and feelings or who we what we think, they don't define who we are. We don't allow the culture to define who we are. But we Christ, He defines who we are. And actually this is the we've said homosexuality and all this LGBT is a symptom. One of the underlying battles today is this battle between humanism and Christ. In humanism, you define who you are. Whatever you feel like, that's who you are. But who defines us? Christ defines us. So we need to be aware that there is a spiritual agenda about out there against the testimony of the Lord. And any that identify with him. Now I mentioned uh, some resources. Let me just run through these. I've already mentioned Rosario Butterfield. This brother Wesley Hill in his book Washed and Waiting. He has been a Christian for many years. He was he's always had homosexual tendencies. But he's never given in to them. That's what he says. He's washed in the blood of the Lamb. He's a believer. And he's just waiting on the Lord to set him free from these temptations. This brother Caleb Calton back, he was a pastor's son. Raised in a Christian family. But then he, he ended up falling into this uh, gay community. And praise God, he came back. He's now a pastor of a church in Texas. This next one, Christopher Yuan. Yuan Christopher Yuan. Was actually, he's actually Chinese. Had to find one Chinese. <laughs> but he, he grew up and he, he was a blatant homosexual. 
And when he came out, his parents really uh, disowned him. They reacted in what could be called a typical older Chinese tradition. I don't mean to insult anybody. But praise God, through a series of events, he came back to the Lord. After he came to know the Lord, he discovered that he was HIV positive. So he's now serving the Lord in Chicago. I've already mentioned Dennis Jernigan and his uh, songs. And these other brothers here. So there, there's, many, and there's many other resources out there. So we we see how in many ways the 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 enemy tries to make this a stronghold and a fortress that nobody can defeat. But praise God, the Lord has won a victory. And he's made a way of salvation for all unbelievers. So we need to be aware of how we conduct ourselves in this hour. That we can be the testimony that we're called to be. Now I know we've covered a lot of territory and I'm a little bit over time. Um, so I'm not going to ask for any questions. Like I said, Ezra will answer them. <laughs> you can put them, write them down and we'll answer yeah, no. But let's, uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, as we consider this matter, we are just very thankful that you are the one full of grace and truth. Lord, uh, where we have had and where we still have wrong concepts, Lord, work within us that we can have your perspective. And Lord, we pray for one another that as each one of us finds ourselves in different, unique situations, we would know that still small voice within us. That how we should conduct ourselves at that specific moment. Well, we pray for one another. We see it's beyond us. But we're thankful it's not beyond you. And you have made a glorious way of salvation for all mankind. And you've made a glorious way of sanctification for all believers. So Lord, as we've considered this specific matter, would you continue to show us how to walk full of grace and truth in these days? To be a true testimony unto you. Uh, in thy name we pray. Amen.